Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. This season we are deep diving into the relationship between fashion and sustainability, discussing everything from intersectionality to tech-led innovations in the industry and what consumers can do to make a real positive impact. Welcome back to a brand new season of Sustainably Influenced. If you listen to our intro episode, you'll know that this season we're focusing on fashion and sustainability. In the nearly 80 years since Fashion Week began, we wanted to talk about its evolution and more specifically, how the event as well as the fashion industry has changed over the past 30 years, since the start of the fast fashion era. There are so many huge question marks around sustainability and fashion and whether the two can really coexist. But with online searches for sustainable fashion tripling between 2016 and 2019, it just goes to show that consumers are beginning to ask more questions of designers and brands. Sustainable Fashion Week began this year with a focus on upskilling, inspiring and empowering the community rather than showcasing next season's trends. To mark the end of Sustainable Fashion Week, we're speaking with its founder, Amelia Twine. Amelia, thank you so much for joining us. Fashion and sustainability, as I said in the intro, aren't really phases that would normally sit together. How has fashion changed over the past 30 years or so? Firstly, thanks for having me. It's so great to join you guys, and especially right in the middle of Sustainable Fashion Week, which is happening as we speak. So I think fashion for many years, it sort of stayed, obviously styles changed, but it stayed pretty static in terms of the way people engaged with it. And then in the last... 30 or maybe even 50 years things started to change really rapidly so you know synthetic fibers were introduced and used more and more and more and then as you said fast fashion sort of took off and that has changed fashion forever in terms of the impact that that will leave on the earth fast fashion is just the biggest shift in fashion and obviously the the most scary in terms of its impact there have been people and organizations that have been looking at fashion and looking at the way we engage with it and how we're producing clothing, using it, taking care of it and disposing of it. But for years, I think people just weren't really interested. Sustainable fashion has been around for a long time, but it's been seen as quite a niche thing. It's like a lifestyle choice. Initially, I think people looked at sustainable fashion like it was a bit drab. It was for a certain type of person. It wasn't style based. It wasn't fashion as such. It was more sustainable clothing. And then things started to shift in the last five years. And actually, from my perspective, in the last five years, things have really changed dramatically in terms of the increase in sustainable fashion. But still, we're looking at it like it is a kind of niche lifestyle choice. So it's something for people who can afford it, who look a certain way, who are a certain size. So I think slowly over time it's becoming more and more integral just in our mindsets in terms of how we think about fashion but there's such a long way to go in terms of how we think about it how we engage with it and how we change the industry more broadly to make it more sustainable yeah that sounds so poignant to what we've been talking about recently off recording because actually I think we spoke about it last season as well this whole idea that sustainable fashion is for yoga mums and like it's like hemp and like random organic based materials and floaty when actually it's the same as fashion it's fashion but we're looking at the ethics and the biodiversity of the the crops or whatever that might be and so it falls under the sustainability category there's just such a weird preconception of what sustainability means when it's linked to the word fashion so totally agree with you there so you started sustainable fashion week a few years ago what actually led to you starting the event itself? 
Well, it was a bit of a, I can never say this word properly, circuitous, circuitous route. I was working in food for a long time. I grew up on a farm. I was really interested in taking care of the land. And so obviously working in food is quite inevitable. But then I think it was in 2017, things were really shifting in terms of how we understood food systems and the importance of local food. But I, I looked at fashion and there were loads of really striking parallels between the two industries in terms of land use, the impact of fibre production on communities and, like you said, biodiversity on habitats, watercourses, etc. And I was like, wow, these two industries have really similar issues, but fashion felt like it was miles and miles behind food in terms of talking about mm. them and addressing them. So I was like, right, I'm going to shift. I'm going to move into fashion. And I thought, how could I do this? And I didn't know what I was doing. I've got no background in fashion at all. So I thought I would set up an online women's wear platform for sustainable fashion, which was called Give Wear Love. And it was supposed to be completely style focused. So it's like picking out the most statement pieces as well as basics from established sustainable fashion brands and emerging ones too. So that there was a destination for people to come, which was focused on style not like oh it's a sustainable range it's mostly organic cotton like sweats or t-shirts but it was really heavily style focused and I did that for a couple of years but as I was doing it I just realized that the lack of accessibility to what I was selling for a lot of people and even just the lack of diversity in selling these clothing brands themselves it just felt like it was something that I was engaging with which was it was too niche and I felt really uncomfortable so I thought right this is, I feel like more people needed to be included in, in like the narrative of sustainable fashion. It's not just about buying something new, which it costs 120 quid. So I've paused Give Wear Love. I'm going to see what to do with that in the future. And then I started working on Sustainable Fashion Week. And the whole core intention is how to make sustainable fashion more inclusive and accessible. So people don't think, mm. well, I really hold those values. I really want to be more sustainable. I really get the issues but I can't afford to buy a pair of trousers for 120 quid. So it was like, well, we need to just sort of open up the conversation a bit more. So it's looking at how we mend clothes, how we can swap clothes, how buying pre-loved is, is on the up. And of course, all these conversations were happening already. Like, you know, Fashion Revolution has been leading this charge for a long time. But it was just trying to see if we could create a platform which was just in included more people in the conversation and sort of supported people as well by equipping them with, either skills or knowledge to be able to become more sustainable. So they didn't feel like they just had to buy something new that was just different. So it was yeah, addressing our whole relationship with fashion and how it can be sustainable in like a m multitude of different ways. Love that. Accessibility and inclusivity are two favourite buzzwords on this show. We're like, how do we make sustainability accessible? It comes yeah. up every chat, but it's just so important. Near enough every episode comes up. Amazing. That's yeah. Fun. It just goes to show though that it is still a huge issue that Massive. accessibility yeah. is it's just not really a thing right now in sustainability. And we understand there are costs involved and we understand that if you are doing things in the correct and more sustainable and more ethical way, that there are going to be higher costs associated with that. But how do you make it so that it is accessible to the masses? And I mean, uh, I have lots of theories on this. I think Charlotte has lots of theories on this, but mm. Who knows? We need to go and start lobbying, I think, babe. Yeah. <laughs> go and become activists. <laughs> I was just going to say, often, especially when it comes to things like income, people in poverty, but people on very low incomes are actually living way more sustainable lives than people 
on higher incomes. I think almost, yeah. I don't have any stats to back that up, of course, because I can never remember stats in my brain, but like that, I think almost exclusively, you're going to find that people with higher incomes, actually, their carbon contribution is going to be much higher. So having that conversation is really important because otherwise everything becomes very, again, really binary. It's like sustainability has to cost more. And actually there are so many different ways of engaging in sustainable practices, which actually is not about the cost. It's just about shifting how we do things. Yeah, definitely. There are so many questions around the fashion industry and sustainability, mainly about how the two can really coexist and coincide with one another. Do you think that it's actually possible for the two to work together? I think that's such an interesting question. I think it depends on who we're talking about. So obviously, if you've got a small scale brand that has a really clear, transparent supply chain and they're working with well produced fibres, they're guaranteeing their garment workers safety, freedom of association and living wages, then the answer is obviously yes, because it's like you've it's something that's controlled, measurable and transparent. If we're talking about fast fashion brands becoming more sustainable, that's way more complicated because their supply chains are so complex. There are so many people involved in that system. Um, so if we would if we could wave a magic wand and said, right, well, from from tomorrow, um, all fast fashion will be created using natural fibres that have been regeneratively produced. That wouldn't be possible in terms of land usage. It wouldn't be possible in terms of the infrastructure producing those fibres. So I think we have to start by looking at how much is produced, obviously. There is way, way, way too much produced. So if fashion brands can reduce their ranges, they've got a chance of making them sustainable. But at the moment, with the volume they're producing, it just I just can't see that it's possible without it taking too long. It might take 20 years to create, you know, let's say H&M wanted to go fully sustainable in every aspect, in every garment. It would take so long to change the infrastructure and the supply chain to make that possible. So I think reducing what they're producing is where we need to start. And obviously protecting garment workers rights that's something that can happen right now that doesn't need lead in in the same way that land use does I am always saying this this has been my thing and I think I've spoken to about 50 people about this over the past month my thing is always it's all well and good if especially for fast fashion brands if they want to release these conscious collections these ethical collections but they're still producing it at a rate of 200 300,000 units per season and then 20% of it is still being incinerated then what's the point reduce what you're producing that it, you don't need to be producing garments at that rate it's just yeah. it's unsustainable in itself so yeah I'm a, oh, ha 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 Bianca making a joke unintended <laughs> <laughs> okay so statistics are showing that consumers want to know more about sustainability and they're actually searching for more sustainable options but what would you say consumers can do more or they can do to help the situation? Because your ethos is all about community action. All of our focus is on what the community can collectively do together. So kind of bringing people together to take action collectively, because I feel like that's got real power. But having said that, I always want to just have a little caveat around that, which is that I don't think the consumer is responsible. So I think ultimately what needs to be led by the people who make the profit. So I kind of feel like the consumer is being exploited just as much as garment workers and habitats are. We're all part of this crazy system. But the only person really benefiting is that brand in the middle, which is making the profit. Um, so I'd say that's 
that's where the change needs to happen. But in the meantime, as consumers, we can really drive that change through kind of joining together. And of course, the first thing people can do is push fashion brands to make changes, you know, push them to pay their garment workers and keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Because if we put pressure on, then if they want to survive as a brand, they will have to change. Um, because if the demand gets louder and louder and louder, they won't. And, and you can see that already happening. Change is already happening because of putting pressure on. But because obviously climate change is a very real threat, but we still have time to address it and make changes. Not an enormous amount of time. So even while we're putting pressure on brands, I think we can still take action ourselves. You know, like ev- everything helps, right? So even if we're not responsible, we can still do things to contribute positively to change. And so our focus has been how do we bring people together and share skills and knowledge? Because some people, they might say, oh, I just can't afford sustainable fashion. And we might say, but you could potentially learn some basic sewing skills to keep what you've got alive for a bit longer. And they might say, but I don't have those sewing skills. And we're like, okay, right. So this is where we need to support you by connecting you up with someone else or pointing in the direction of a free workshop nearby or online and things like that. That's where we can try and bring people together so that they, yeah, that, that sense of sharing is really important. If they're, you know, sharing clothes is even better. You know, if someone do a clothes swap or something similar, that's even better. But if it's sharing knowledge of where to find clothing, knowledge about sustainability and fashion or sharing skills, that's our real focus. It's really incredible to really sit down when you think about it and think it's not, I, I, I say this very easily, but it's not that difficult for us to make changes, but it's about actually doing it collectively and coming together and enforcing that change and putting pressure on the correct people and governments and legislations and just making sure that we're putting pressure in the right places. And eventually, we hope that things can change. Like I would say, it's eventually, but we have, we don't have much time to make those changes, as you said. So let's take a look at fashion design on a larger scale for a moment. And obviously, we're talking about Sustainable Fashion Week, but talking about traditional for Fashion Week as a whole, and I guess, as the masses would know it, the fashion designers focus on releasing these huge collections. Do you think that it's possible for designers to truly consider sustainability as part of their production? Or do you think that it's greenwashing? Do you think that it's possible for a designer to factor sustainability into their shows and collections? Absolutely. Yeah, I really think they can. And it's complicated, but I think, but I don't think that should ever stop anybody. I think almost because of where we are in the world now, everything needs to be looked at through the frame of climate change and sustainability. So it's like, that's where you start, right? So you've got, let's say for a, for a fashion designer, you've got this incredible design in your mind. And you're thinking, okay, so the, let's say it's a dress. How's it going to hang? How's it going to flow? How's the fabric going to move? So what fabric is that going to be? How is that going to be produced? And the first thing you do, instead of going, this is how I want it to be. I'm going to create that in its exact form in my mind. It's like, as soon as they've got that idea, how can they produce it sustainably? Rather than just, how can I make that, you know, how can I create that creation? It's like, how can I create it sustainably? sustainably? So it has to come it has to be something that is thought of right at the beginning of every single process. I think fashion designers are really starting to get more clued up and they are starting to become part of certification bodies or schemes which support them. But I still think the focus is on profit. So that absolutely that will be the thing which determines everything rather than producing something sustainably. So we have to shift that mindset because, of course, if you're always thinking about the, the profit 
then you're never going to be fully committed to it being sustainable. There are loads of kind of next generation solutions that designers can engage with. But ultimately, unless they're going to use that approach for all of their ranges, like you say, then it is just kind of tipping the hat, isn't it? It's like, oh, I'll do one little sort of bit over here. And the rest of what I produce is actually produced conventionally. And it's causing harm right now to people and planet. Yeah, it's something that they have to do for their whole range. Yeah, that's something that we really struggle with as influencers we do a lot of work with brands who release sustainably focused collections which we are so excited for be that dead stock fabric usage or ethically sourced or whatever it might be and we really are here to celebrate it but it is really disheartening that they release those lines and then there isn't really anything else but in our opinion I think similar to the collective thought idea is that if we can promote those lines and if we can push them and get the public to see that they are possible and we can contribute to them selling or selling out, then it will show the brands that people actually care. So it's like a little bit that we are trying to do to make an effort. And I know I've posted something before where I've worked with a brand and I've talked about their eco-focus line that they've released for a specific time frame. And I've had some comments on my Instagram post to be like, oh, but, you know, the rest of their collections are blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but, like, you've got to do something. Like, if this is my contribution, this is all I can do, that I'm an influencer, until they make those big changes, which isn't necessarily going to come from me, but it could come from us, mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. you know, that's our kind of collective thought process there. But it's it's hard because it's just like, just, just do it. <laughs> you can do it. We've seen it. Just do it. I'm so glad that you raised that point though, Charlotte, because it is something that even when we are working with brands and I always have this, I do have that that concern sometimes that people are going to say, oh, well, you're you're working with this brand, you're working with that brand. And I've had it on a couple of ones that I've done where people have said, well, they don't produce their clothing, their product, whatever it is in an ethical way they use animal uh, fat they use this they do this they do that and I thought to myself I was like but if a company is really trying to put those steps in place why are we not celebrating that everybody needs to start somewhere yeah mm-hmm. and I think that's something that we need to champion a little bit more and say well done to the brands that are making that change and it's not just like one thing or one collection mm-hmm. and and greenwashing essentially but if they're starting somewhere and they're looking to roll out across the entire collection or their entire production line, then why can't we shout about them a little bit more? Yeah, yeah there's two sides to this. I'm actually going to say something that's a little bit risque. Come so, on, controversial girl. <laughs> we, we love my random comments, but I, this is what, because I work in the diversity and inclusion sector in marketing, and I'm an avid believer that we sometimes need to force tick boxing exercises to ensure that we get to where we need to be and everything's data driven so if you do an exercise that you might not necessarily as a marketer have your whole heart in but you needed to do it and you see the results work and you're like oh actually we should just use you know a diverse range of people in our campaigns because people have liked it and it's statistically the best we've done then they'll do it again and my thought process with the kind of greenwashing is yeah if they greenwash but it gets really good publicity and really good sales and that data shows that people want that, then they might be like, ah, maybe we should just do it. Mm. And it's a really naive thing to think and to say, but in my opinion, that's the collective pressure that we can put on in the sense that our pounds have power 
or depending mm. on when you're listening, your, your currency has power. So it's just important to know where you spend your money. So if yeah. you do like a brand, but you don't want to spend your money on them because they don't fit, align with your ethos or your ethics, and then they do release something, put your money there because there might be people that also think the same thing. They love the brands, but they just can't bring themselves to buy it. But when those collections come out, if everyone just buys it because they can see this is for me, then they'll be like, oh, our sales have gone up. Everything's data driven. Everything's to do with money. So that makes sense to me in my marketing hat. But yeah. I don't know necessarily in a wider scale how much it can do. No, I totally agree with that. It's so, like you say, like we try like a sustainable fashion week, we try not to have a, like a prescriptive approach. It's like, just like you say, like everyone has got to start somewhere. And actually it's better that people start than feel really overwhelmed and do nothing because they just, they feel like it's too big a task to totally change everything they do. But also with brands, like I think you're right, like whatever they do that's positive is having a positive impact. And I think, and of course, if they're doing things at the same time, which are really, really negative, that that negativity is undermining what the positive action and the positive action still stands in its own right so I think from my perspective is like if the brands are going to start doing these small selected ranges which are sustainable as long as they're transparent about the rest of it then I kind of think like well that's a good starting Mm. place but I think where I get concerned is the lack of transparency so it's the because if they say look look this is like 10% of what we're doing is really, really good. 90% is actually really problematic, but here's our plan. This is what we're going to do to improve. This is what we're going to do to change. This is where we're going to invest our money to change the system. Then you're like, well, fair dues. They're being really clear about the stuff they're selling, which is having a negative impact. And they're telling us how they're going to change. And then from my perspective, it's like, well, that's a great place to start. Yeah. And and like you're saying, you know, so a brand that does a dead stock range, as long as there's transparency around everything, then that's you know that's the place where we need to start I think oh it's just there's just so much to do <laughs> there is, isn't there? I know it's, it's just, just that oh, it? <laughs> yeah. yeah when you talk about it it's like oh but on that note then let's discuss the future of fashion week and sustainable fashion week are there any innovations in the industry that will encourage traditional mass-produced fashion houses to incorporate sustainable practices in an easier way there are so many solutions and I'll be terrible at like naming any of them. Obviously, one of the key sort of frameworks is looking at circularity. So looking at how you can use or create garments that have been made in a circular way so that there is you're not cre- like contributing negatively to habitat destruction and you know, garment worker exploitation. But I think, again, what always makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable is that there is all the time this kind of, we're looking at these new tech solutions or new lab produced whatever system that blah, blah, blah. And it's, in my mind, it's like, oh, it's kind of missing the point because the point is that actually we just need to reduce and reduce and reduce and reduce. Because if you've got, let's say the fashion industry as it is, let's say the size of it as it is and the impact that it has, if it was 10% of that size it would have 10% of that impact, let's say. And so, of course, that needs to be managed. You'd need to manage the impact of reducing on garment workers and their ability to thrive, and that would need to be managed. But ultimately, there are so many next-generation solutions, and we need to, at the same time, think just about reducing, 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 because we can Mm. change how we do things, but tweaking the product is not the answer. And so, yeah, it always makes you feel a bit uncomfortable when people go, oh, this is amazing new 
such and such way of doing such and such and I'm like me <laughs> may not be the right thing to do I think fashion week itself is going to change I think as you say the demand is growing people are waking up and googling and researching and demanding a different type of industry so fashion week is going to start responding and hopefully sustainable fashion week is going to keep growing as a kind of balance to that it's not um obviously in any kind of competition because it's like David and Goliath (laughs) but it's going to hopefully keep growing and just keep collecting a community where people feel that they have different options for engaging with sustainability and fashion that aren't just about buying new or engaging with trends. Fantastic I think that's a really good place to end the episode. If anybody wanted to find you online or find out more information about Sustainable Fashion Week where could they find that? So our website is sustainablefashionweek.uk and our Instagram is sustainablefashionweek underscore UK and those are the two best places to find us. Okay amazing thank you so much. So we've come to the end of the podcast thank you so much for listening to Sustainably Influence and make sure that you're following us and liking and subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye!